Hello and welcome to Pelvic Floor at its Core, the only podcast out there that is brought to you by a women's health medical technology company. I am your host, Shravya Cavella, Pelvic Floor Physical Therapist and Business Development Manager at Flight by Pelvidol. We have a unique approach at Pelvidol. We believe our product, Flight, can provide life-changing outcomes, but we also know that no single treatment is right for everyone. We are therefore working hard to increase the collective knowledge out there about the importance of the pelvic floor. Because the more we work together, the more we can work towards increasing access to pelvic floor care so all women can truly live their best lives. On this podcast, I bring on pelvic health experts to talk about a variety of topics that any and every woman and clinician can relate to and learn from. It's always informative, always interesting, and we always have fun. So let's get into it. Today we are talking about running and the pelvic floor, specifically return to running postpartum. And guys and gals, this is a huge topic. According to a study in the journal Obstetrics and Gynecology, up to 40% of women experience urinary incontinence after having a baby. And that's true, up to 40%. It can begin soon after having a baby or even years later. And we get into all of that and more in our conversation today with our really great guest, Dr. Katie Moise. Dr. Moise is a pelvic floor physical therapist. She received her DPT from Emory University and completed her pelvic health course training with Herman and Wallace. She additionally has completed manual trigger point therapy and Pilates certifications, both of which she incorporates into her self-owned practice, ATL Pelvic Health, located in Decatur, Georgia. I had such a great time talking with Dr. Moise, and it was just Really wonderful to meet another Emory alumni. I also got my DPT from Emory. So I hope you all just really enjoyed this great conversation about the pelvic floor and running. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Katie? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have you on Pelvic Floor at its core. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here. So we are talking about return to running for the postpartum athlete, which I know you kind of have a little bit of a personal attachment to just based on how you got into pelvic floor PT, right? Yes, I do. Um, I am a recreational runner, so I've run a few half marathons and um, probably about four or five years ago, I was having some like hip pain and actually unrelated shoulder pain. So I started to see a PT for those issues and she was awesome and I was making a lot of progress, but there was just something missing. Um, and she worked with a pelvic PT in her office and told me that she thought I should get screened by her just to make sure there wasn't anything going on with my pelvic floor because we just couldn't really get to the bottom of my hip pain. And so I went and saw this pelvic PT and, um, turns out I have a very overactive pelvic floor. So my muscles are kind of a little bit too tight and overactive, which kind of contributed to some of my dysfunction. And that's kind of what kickstarted my passion into pelvic PT. For me, I was pretty young. So I was, I would say like 25 or 26. I had gone to physical therapy school. I was practicing as a physical therapist. I was certified in Pilates. So I felt like I knew a lot about the human body, but I still didn't 
realize certain symptoms that I was experiencing were connected to my pelvic floor. Um, for instance, tampons yeah. were a little uncomfortable for me sometimes. And right. I just thought like, oh, tampons are like uncomfortable for everyone or like this is just normal. Yeah. Um, and didn't really realize that it could be coming from my muscles in my pelvic floor. So once I realized that and realized, okay, people across all, you know, the, the age span from young adults through pregnancy, postpartum into late adulthood are all experiencing potentially issues with their pelvic floor. And so that really jumpstarted my passion into the pelvic floor world. I love that because I think I have mentioned this to you before when we had talked previously, but I have a very similar story and not a runner. So admire you for that. Not a runner over here, but yeah. um, tore the cartilage in my hip and had SI pain, hip pain, all sorts of things. Also I'm a pelvic PT at the time I was not pelvic and um, just struggled to get to fully better. I got like 80% better but just not fully there. And I had a colleague who was a pelvic PT and, and did a screen. And I also had an overactive pelvic floor. And I mean, now we know, right? Now we know right. that there's a there's a connection there um, with labral tears, for example, and uh, overactive pelvic floors. So that really resonates with me. I totally get that. And it gives you kind of a different level of passion, I think. It's yeah, just, absolutely. Right? It because just really makes you want to address that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've kind of been there. You've relate. You can relate to your patients on a different level too. Um, and I see a lot of people with like low back hip pain that's kind of unresolved or it's gotten so far, and then they can't finish that kind of last, like you said, like twenty percent of getting all the way there. And typically, we find something going on with their pelvic floor. Yeah, absolutely. So then, I guess that leads right into another question: is like if you're an orthopedic doc or um, a PT who's not in the pelvic floor how would you screen for the pelvic floor? Like what sorts of things would you look out and maybe specifically in postpartum patients, what would you as a clinician screen for to determine if the pelvic floor is related or not? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is just um, becoming more comfortable in your subjective history taking with patients to ask those personal questions about bladder, bowel, and sexual function. Um, I've previously worked at a clinic where it was on our intake form. So even orthopedic PTs who weren't trained in, in pelvic floor, um, if they saw anything marked, you know, in terms of urinary frequency or urgency or leakage on this intake form, they kind of automatically knew to bring that up in the subjective. Um, mm. If you don't have that on your intake forms, I think asking questions about, especially for those postpartum um, patients, you know, asking questions about, are you having any leakage of urine with a laugh, cough, a sneeze um, when you walk or run or jump? Are you having any heaviness in your pelvis? Are you having any issues with bowel movements? Um, are you having to strain a lot? have you become sexually active since having your baby? And if so, is there any pain with that? Um, and th the way they answer those questions is going to automatically kind of give you some insight as to what could be going on with their pelvic floor. And I kind of feel strongly like if anyone is having any pain, um, any urinary leakage, anything like that, like it, sh in my opinion, should honestly be an automatic referral just to get screened by a pelvic floor physical therapist. Right. No, I, I agree with that. And I love that your clinic, your old clinic did that, like just had an intake form with that information on it. I know um, we did not have that initially until we had pelvic floor come into our clinic uh, when I was at an orthopedic clinic. And I just think it's so important. I mean, I would love to see it for like 
primary care docs too. I think you're actually supposed to, but I just don't, I've never seen it. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't really seen it in primary. And I think having it on our intake form just made it so much easier, especially for those orthopedic PTs, male or female, but um, that just weren't comfortable, like having that conversation right off the bat, because if somebody's coming in with like knee pain or shoulder pain, they might be kind of caught off guard being like, why are you asking about you know, like leakage of urine when I run, um, but it can be connected. You know, we know the knee and like the whole lower extremity can be connected. So it's an easy way just to screen from the beginning, um, and get the patient on board with why it would be important for them to have their pelvic floor assessed. Yeah. And actually that's, that's such a great segue. Like let's, let's dive into that. So you're talking about the knee and how that might impact your pelvic floor. So for someone postpartum looking to get back into running, what would you say would be important when thinking about form? Like how is that knee and that pelvic floor connected in the way that you're speaking about it? Yeah. So I think, you know, the biggest thing I think about returning to running after having a baby is that a lot of times we heal and rest for six weeks and then we go to our six week appointment and we get cleared to exercise again and say you were a runner prior to having a baby. And so you're just like, great, I can go on a run. Right. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. But you've done nothing maybe for six weeks. And Mm so, you know, we do want your body to have time to heal, but I think, you know, the pelvic floor takes on a lot of load during activities such as running, and it is part of kind of our deep core, but it can't work by itself. So it needs support from your hip muscles, from your glutes, from your abdominal muscles. They We need them all to be working together. And so I think there's just so many great exercises and things that you can work on to start building up that foundation so that right. you can be ready to run. Um, there was a really great return to running like research article that was put out by Emma Brockwell was on it and Tom Groom and then uh, Donnelly, I think was her name. Okay. And they basically had this guideline of like kind of similar to how we would screen, like if you were returned to running after an ACL tear, but this was more so like how to return to running after having a baby. And it was okay. some kind of foundational exercises that you should be able to do and things like balancing on one leg, doing calf raises, yeah. um, being able to do bridge lifts. And I think, you know, we do kind of sometimes think, okay, like we're just going to focus on our pelvic floor, but the pelvic floor is connected to the hip, to the knee and to the foot. And so Mm -hmm. what's going on at your foot could directly impact how your pelvic floor is responding. Um, And so we want to make sure that whole lower extremity kind of system is working well together. So let's say you're six weeks postpartum and you're like, okay, I'm ready to get back to running. And you go to your follow-up and they're like, hey, everything looks healthy. Continue on with activities as they feel normal, you know, not a ton of information out there. If you had to give like a really quick, broad overview of a progression you would expect them to follow to build back to running, what would that look like? Yeah. So I like to start with things such as like bridge lifts, um, step ups to start kind of coordinating your pelvic floor with breathing and some lower extremity strength. Um, I definitely start with double legs. So squats, deadlifts, things like that um, in terms of hip strength and then progressing to single leg activities. So single leg balance, single leg calf raises, potentially single leg bridge lifts, um, single leg squats. I think, you know, when we think about running, you're basically landing 
you know, in a single leg squat over and over and over again for yeah. an extended period of time. Right. So we need to have that strength and stability in our hips and our pelvis to be able to control that load. Um, I also like to progress a lot of core work in quadruped. So working on your hands and your knees to work on some stability there. Um, and oh, then I love that. Yeah. So quadruped and tall kneeling. So, um, being in that kind of tall kneeling position for some core strengthening, I think can also be really beneficial from, for runners, but typically we'll start kind of like on your back, maybe on your side to all fours progressing to standing, I think is kind of like the ultimate form of exercise that you need to be able to do to make sure you're strong to go run. And so thinking about that six weeks postpartum patient, what would you say to them as they're doing that progression or just returning to like their activities gradually? Mm -hmm. What would you say to them is like normal versus not? You know, I, I know I got that question all the time where it's like, hey, I'm only this far out. Is it normal to have leakage or is it normal to have this feeling of pressure? Is that going to go away on its own? What should I do differently. Yeah. So I'm, I might be slightly biased because I am a pelvic floor physical therapist, but I would say none of those symptoms. So leakage with running, um, heaviness in your pelvis, even just like I have a, recently some patients with just like hip pain in the front of their thigh, um, or into their groin. Um, none of that is really normal. Uh, mm -hmm. it can be really common after having a baby, but it's not normal. And I think, you know, some people do think that it will go away on its own, but honestly, I haven't really seen that. And so I think it's good to get assessed by a public PT and build a program because if you can address it sooner rather than later, you can just prevent so many other things from happening later on down the road. Um, and if it's your first baby, you can set yourself up for success if you do want to have more kids to make sure you're not going to be leaking like during your next pregnancy or right. after your next pregnancy. So I always think any symptom like that, even if you're having it at six weeks, which is still really early postpartum, you should still get assessed by a pelvic PT. Yeah, and, and really what they're showing from research, which, you know, everyone's different, but we're really seeing now that running shouldn't really be started until like 12 weeks postpartum. Mm -hmm. um, and so really working on that foundational strength of your hips and your core and all of that between six and 12 weeks so that you can start running and not have those symptoms, I think can be really beneficial too. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think you said it best, common, not normal, right? Yeah. And that's just so important. And it made me think of two things. And one is, have you seen that study, Katie, about the a new study came out about hip abduction strength, so your glute muscles, and how that can play a really big role into impacting urinary urgency and frequency. So like having an urge, you got to go to the bathroom right away, or feeling like you got to go all the time throughout the day, which I thought was so interesting. And I think supports exactly what you said, where it's like, build that foundation up until those 12 weeks so that you can really ensure that you are getting back to your running with good form and protecting your pelvic floor and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I always say the glutes and the pelvic floor are best friends. And so I love that. <laughs> we need them to be supporting each other, you know, like one of them can't do it all. Um, so yeah. we need strong glutes to support a strong pelvic floor and vice versa. 
I think I saw on your Instagram, you had like a Instagram reel where you it made me laugh. You were holding a strainer underneath the faucet. Oh, yes. And I think it said <laughs> something like you wrote something like until postpartum pelvic PT is like the norm or standard of care. I'm going to keep talking about this stuff and yes. like, until yeah, the strainer I'm, is filled or something. And it's yes, like, no way yes, is yes, that yes. strainer ever going to be filled. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just think like, it's just such a disservice to our birthing people to not tell them about the resource of pelvic PT. But honestly, everyone should be get screened after birth, whether you had a vaginal birth or cesarean birth, your body went through some major changes for 10 months. So it's just not enough to say, okay, like return to everything you were doing beforehand at six weeks. I think that it just like leaves so many people in the dark. They have no clue what to do and not do. Um, totally. And there's amazing pelvic PTs all over the world, really, that want to help, you know, and serve these people. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, what's so great now is there's so much information out there by pelvic PTs. Like, I know you have a great Instagram channel. Um, I think it's like a nod to Georgia, right? The yes, PT the, Pelvis. Yes, PT. the Peachy Pelvis PT. And it's great. Like, I mean, there's so many other accounts out there that have just really awesome information and knowledge is power. Yeah, absolutely. um, I think that's really, really great. So let's jump into our case study. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. So let's start with just what are some of the key things that we should know about the woman in your case study? Yeah. So this was a pretty, um, I've tried to pick a pretty straightforward case, so not too complicated, but she was a woman who came to me um, four months, or I'm sorry, four years postpartum, actually. She had a vaginal birth. She was pushing for about an hour and a half, um, and but did not have any tearing. And she was coming to me for complaints of stress incontinence with running. So she was having leakage with running that would start after about 30 minutes. And then she was also having some leakage with her jumping jacks and some higher intensity exercises. So she works out at a uh, gym where they do jumping jacks, jumping rope, double unders, things like that. Um, and so she was having leakage with all of that. Okay. And then um, one other just note for that is that she was, she's been diagnosed, she's a medical doctor, but um, has been diagnosed with IBD a little bit, she says, by her GI. Um, And can you say what IBD is just for those who are not totally sure? Yes. So it's irritable bowel syndrome. So you can either have IBD, which is going to be more of the diarrhea, so looser stool. Um, And so that's what she has. So she'll have occasionally looser stool, typically related to stress. um, That kind of triggers that for her. Gotcha. And was this her first child or no? Yes, this was her first child. When she came into you on your first visit, initial assessment, was there anything that stood out to you immediately where you were like, okay, we have to start here? Yeah. So we've kind of been putting the pieces together over time with her. The first things that really stood out to me is that going back to the hips and the pelvic floor being best friends, her hips were extremely weak. Mm. Um, Sometimes like I was surprised at how weak her hips were for the amount of exercise she was doing. But I think we see that a lot in runners who, you know, we do a lot of strength training in the sagittal plane. So flexion and extension, like squatting, things like that. But we don't work kind of side to side, like side lunges or things that target like our outer hips. Right. And so I kind of put her through this running screen that I put most of my postpartum runners through. And 
she really struggled with single leg task and really had a hard time controlling her pelvis. Um, and her hips were just really weak. So that was the first thing that I, I was really kind of stood out to me because when I checked her pelvic floor, so I did that both externally and internally, um, mm -hmm. vaginally, and her pelvic floor was pretty strong. Um, there Interesting. wasn't, yeah. So there wasn't any, maybe a teeny bit of tenderness, but honestly not a lot of overactivity of her pelvic floor. She had good strength. The other really big thing that stood out to me too, I guess, posture wise was that she had a pretty large posterior pelvic tilt. So she was kind of tucking her hips underneath her, which kind of flattens the glute muscles and really decreases their, their ability to fire. So everything really came back to her hips and a little bit of her core strength as well. So that just ties in exactly what you were saying before. Yeah. Perfect, perfect choice for your case study, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and yes. And so what I will say for her too is that, so yes, her pelvic floor was strong. One thing that uh -huh. I did notice on that assessment too was just her tendency to want to hold her breath with a contraction. So a little bit of that mm. co coordination of her pelvic floor was off. Um, so that was something else that jumped out at me. It was, yes, she was able to isolate and contract her pelvic floor well, but when we tried to coordinate it with some timing, it was a little bit more challenging for her. Okay. So it sounds like she was one of those patients who comes in and, you know, maybe without that education or awareness of what else contributes to our core and how we function while running, someone might think like, oh, this is my pelvic floor's fault, which in some cases it can be, but it sounds like for her strong pelvic floor and really what it was, was how everything else connected to the pelvic floor and working with the pelvic floor, how they were supporting the whole system. And it sounds like that might be where your plan of care was focused. Yes, absolutely. So we worked a lot on coordinating her breathing and timing of her pelvic floor with certain movements. Um, and we've worked a lot on hip strength. So both hip strength with two legs as well as single leg hip strength. So working a lot on you know, almost I'm a big fan of like functional movements, but also trying to replicate the activities where she's having symptoms um, and seeing how we can modify posture, breathing uh, to kind of get her symptom free with those particular movements. So what kind of replication would you do? Yeah, so I like to do, um, so I'm trained in Pilates, so I do have a reformer at my clinic. Um, and the great thing about reformer is we can do a lot of jumping activities actually, but you're in a gravity eliminated position. So it takes off a little bit of that extra pressure that might be loaded on the pelvic floor. Um, so I like to do a lot of that for jumping progressions to get her just breathing and timing down while jumping, while staying symptom free. And then a lot of work on, um, I really love doing step ups, some side lunges, single leg squat progressions, and then kind of tying that into like a hop or something to progress into things like a jumping jack or jumping rope. Yeah. Um, we also did, we went outside, I don't have a treadmill in my clinic, but we went outside and I watched her run. And so we talked a little bit about some changes that she could make to her running form that could help uh -huh. better support her pelvic floor. So we worked on some of that as well. So it sounds like a kind of a progression, like you said before, reinforcing that double leg to single leg, but then applying it to, okay, jumping jacks or jumping, like that's what she wants to get back to. So yes, it's important to have strong hips and yes, it's important to breathe correctly, but can you do it while you're doing those activities is kind of right. an important focus. Exactly. 
last question for you, and then I want to know how did she respond to all of this. My last question is, if you were at a clinic where you did not have the reformer, very cool that you have the reformer, by the way. Yes. Love that. <laughs> um, if you were at a clinic where you didn't have that, or let's say you're someone who's postpartum, a runner, and you're just at home, mm -hmm. and you want to progress yourself, how may you do that? Like what other factors could you change where you can still progress yourself, but maybe you don't have that offloading mechanism? Yeah. So I think as you progress strength wise from double leg to single leg, you can then add in um, like baby hops. So rather than doing like 10 jumping jacks in a row. Um, you can maybe just start with like a baby hop. You can then honestly, before I even do that, I kind of do some like pre jumping exercises where I'm like, I'll have the patient, like, it's kind of hard to describe without visually seeing it, but you almost like <laughs> pretend like you're about to jump off, like jump up off right. the ground. And I got so we, you. we yeah. like work on the timing of the pelvic floor as if you're about to lift up almost like doing a calf raise, but your feet your heels lift up, but your toes stay on the ground. Right. Um, and then adding like a little baby hop with that or a single leg hop and then starting to add in more repetitions with things like that to progress into jumping rope for 20 seconds or something like that. Yeah. So how did she do? How did she do with all that? Yeah, she did great. Um, we have, we're actually still working together. So Hopefully awesome. that was an okay case study. So she's not a hundred percent yet. Um, she is jumping, doing jumping jacks without leaking and we're up to like 30 minutes of running. And part of it is also just like return to fitness kind of as, as she describes it to me is to be able to run for 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily for distance, but just to be able to go out for a 60 minute run. And so we're working kind of like below her threshold of where she starts to feel symptoms before she might like take a walking break. But she's come a long way with that. So she's doing really well. Um, we're still working on some hip strengthening and things like that, I think, to get her to her last little bit. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like she's in good hands. And it sounds yeah, like things are you. going really great. Yeah. And I think that really just reinforces exactly what you said before, where hips are important. And I just feel like that's the biggest takeaway. Is there any other big takeaway you would want a listener to remember from what you said today? Yeah. So I think um, a couple of things. If you are someone who has had a baby, I think it's just important to know that while your symptoms, kind of like you said earlier, while they are common, they're not normal. And so just know that there are pelvic floor therapists out there that would love to help you um, and address those symptoms. And then I think for those clinicians who may not be as familiar with the pelvic floor, it's just really important to start screening and asking those questions. And you know, networking with people in your community, building up a good referral source. So know who you like and trust in your community that you would feel comfortable sending your patients to. Um, and always look outside of the pelvic floor. I think the pelvic floor for some people can be a factor, but looking at hip strength, looking at cord strength, um, even looking at things like spinal mobility can all really contribute to symptoms such as urinary leakage. So get creative and make sure you're looking at more than just the pelvic floor. Super well said. And Katie, it has just been such a pleasure to talk to you and yeah. to hear it from not just a pelvic PT, but someone who is an avid runner, who works with runners. Yeah, I'm so glad that you took the time to come on and share your expertise with us. So thanks so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it and loved getting to chat with you more.
it's ATL Pelvic Health, right, Katie? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so if anyone wants to learn more about Katie and her practice, you can go to um, just Google ATL Pelvic Health. She'll come right up and uh, check her out on Instagram. All right, well, thanks so much, Katie, and we'll catch up later. That sounds great. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks everyone for tuning in to Pelvic Floor at its core. Quick disclaimer for you, Flight by Pelvidol is approved for pelvic floor strengthening and SUI only. All information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace medical advice. Always seek out a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have about a medical condition. And if you have a question about flight and its indications for use, please see our website at flighttherapy.com. And that's it. See you next time on the next episode of Pelvic Floor at its Core.